This is a Handshake Agency podcast. Welcome to That Sucks. Presented by Handshake Agency. My name's Troy. And I am jabbed up Dan Cribb. You jabbed up. Look Watch at this. you. Look. Show me. That's not my fly. That's my jumper. Oh. And look at this. Look at this. It's shoulder. Uh, uh, uh. Hey, good on you. What are we? We're now. It's. I've had it on there for two days. And and you got your sticker as well. I got my jab two days ago, and I've still got the band aid and the sticker on my t shirt. What does that say? You haven't changed your t shirt for three days. I'm. I'm. I've been riding a high from this. Wait, so you from this vaccine, t- you brother. The, so you put the t shirt on, on Tuesday. Yep. Or Monday. Uh, I got jabbed on Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday. But how long have you been wearing that same shirt for? I've been in my pajamas since I got the jab. Right. So, so it's I'm not a just, filthy animal. You don't just have one t-shirt like Bart Simpson that you recycle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, you're getting yours soon too. Your first jab, correct? Mine is in T-minus 13 days. You excited? Not excited. Like It's not like I just can't wait to get it. Oh, I think on. it's like, you know, I'm glad that I'm getting it, but I'm not like counting down like it's Christmas you, or you anything. You look so giddy. Oh my God. Yeah, I got the, the first available appointment, which was on the, yeah, basically two weeks after that. So- Yep, getting Pfizer. It's pretty cool. It's exciting in general. Yeah. What's happening is exciting. What's happening is exciting. Yeah. I think most people I know are pretty keen to get the jab. Most people I'm friends with. So, if you're out there and you're on the fence and you want to be like your heroes, Dan Cribb and Troy Nababan, you know, go get that um, that COVID vaccine. Go get jabbed. Just stabby, stabby. And go- if you go to the Jindalup Clinic, they'll give you a warm orange juice after you're done. <laughs> An unrefrigerated orange juice? Yeah, I was like, this is going to be so good. And then I took a sip and I was like, ugh. Why do they give you an orange juice in the first place? I, I think it's meant that. to be if you're a bit lightheaded or- Really? Good on them. I'm, I, I thought that was like only when you get give blood do you get I should have taken that. Maybe they, do, maybe they took something from me as well. Oh, shit. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I should have taken that juice home. Uh, if you're everyone playing along at home, take the juice home, put it in the fridge and drink it a little later. That's actually a really good tip. I'm getting mine done at the Claremont Showgrounds. Oh, well, maybe you go show bag afterwards. How long did it take you? How long was a your show bag full of needles and- Yeah, used. <laughs> <laughs> how, um, uh, how long did it take for you and like mine? It was a 20-minute wait. Oh, that's not too bad. My mum did it at uh, Claremont. She was like- yeah, go go there. It's like so quick in and yeah. out. Bing, bang, boom. So, it's yeah. good. In fact, I think after, I, uh, yeah, almost after I get it, my whole family will have, would have had the jab. So that's There's cool. something so comforting about being surrounded by that many people that are like getting their jab because it's like none of these people are fucking idiots. Everyone was just like high-fiving. <laughs> it's like, every, it's like, like s- everybody here has common sense. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of nice seeing everybody like lining up and- Yeah. Rad. Well, look at us. Yeah, look at look us at doing us. up the, literally the, the, the smallest possible thing that we can do to help out. Yeah. Everybody else in the world. So um, Go get it done. And once you've done it, you can be a co-host. Yeah. On the podcast. You can like open mouth kiss me. I don't mind. Not Dan, but like Uh, anybody else. I was getting excited. I've got a few friends that listen to this podcast. You want to come and give me a big smoochie on the mouth? That's all right. Well, I don't know if we should be promoting the transmission of- You've had one- You haven't even had yours yet, man. That's what I said. After (laughs) I get it done. Both of them. Yeah, both of them. This is a can of worms. Let's get onto the topic. Yeah, so we're not actually talking about that today, are we? No, no. That was a little mini episode. So, what do you want to talk about today? You want to talk about some- uh, you want to talk about some fucking movies and TV shows and stuff? I don't know. What, what are you it's like? It's what you Music? want to talk about. Me? It's your idea. That's right. I always come up with ideas. You've Actually, some, I don't. You've I had don't the past two it. ideas. Harry Potter and what are we talking about today? Late night TV. Yeah, some late night TV fails. I love it. What inspired this idea from you? Um, I think it was Marilyn Manson. Go on. I hope you've got that on the list. 
I don't because don't it's, you? it's your oh yeah okay it's well, your bit. I don't want to steal. Look at look at all my notes. Well, did you at least watch the video though? No, I want to watch it in per. Like, this is how it works. Oh okay. I watch it and react. I've never done a podcast, and before. we explain. This is welcome to that sucks reacts. We're reacting to videos you can't see. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, I can't remember what came up with something about Marilyn Manson and like his name just came up and my, the first thing I think of is him on Letterman. He did a couple of Letterman appearances about 20, 20 plus years ago. It was kind of like, I wouldn't say pre-internet, but like, do you have much memories of Marilyn Manson back in like the late nineties? Just like various rumors about him having his ribs removed and like he was just this kind of scary figure. Yeah. I don't remember what- you, I, I want to say it was like 99 or 98. There's a 98 interview and a 2003 interview They're on Letterman. they just cooked, man. But like he played the big day out in Australia in like 98, 99. And I had no idea who this person was because I was like 11. But friends of mine at school or just kids at school were talking about it. Like, they must have had older brothers and sisters and stuff that went to the show and they heard all about it. But it was like Marilyn Manson was like scary shit. And then, you know, you go on or he would go on like Letterman and he'd just be this fucking hell weirdo and give these bizarre interviews. But so, is, that, it's all, is it an act? It's got to be like an act. kind. I think he's a bit of a weirdo. Should yeah. I watch one of the interviews or is it just in general? Or disastrous interview. Yeah, you should probably just watch He's wearing a hat. Yeah, watch it. Do you have hobbies, your sports, your- Anything? You ever do any bass fishing? <laughs> I don't like sports. Don't do any sports at all. David Letterman talking to Marilyn Manson is one of the most awkward dynamics you could think of, right? <laughs> do you like bass fishing? Yeah. That's why you just asked him. Would, uh, like, is this in grade school or high school? Or? Well, to be honest with you, if I wasn't me, I would have beat me up too. <laughs> That's the first reasonable thing you've said tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like... Let him just cut sick on him because he's being weird. Like he just said something about like what did he just say? Then he goes, "Oh uh, uh, yeah, if um if I wasn't me, I would have beaten me up in high school as well." He said uh, yeah, and let him, like yeah, that. and let him go. That's the first sensible thing you've said all night. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's the that's the interview that sort of um, triggered the idea of this podcast because it's called disastrous I- disastrous interview on YouTube. Yeah, go check it out because it's just really funny. Did you watch Letterman when you were a kid? I did, and I've got some uh, first-hand experience. I went to a taping of really? uh, what, Letterman. What yeah. year? Uh, 2012, I was in New York. Mm-hmm. It didn't even occur to me that you could go to tapings of these things, mm. and I, someone told me they did it. So, we went to the um, Ed Sullivan Theatre during the day, and they host like a lottery. Mm-hmm. So, you go in, put your details down, and um, apparently they, they love tourists. Mm-hmm. And so, I think when the the interns got our form and saw Australia, we were leaving, and they were like, oh, um... What's your favorite David Letterman segment? And I was like, I was like, mental blank. And I was like, uh, top 10 things. And they're like, okay, cool. And then um, we got a call like that Arvo being like, yeah, you've won two tickets to come to a taping, get here this time. That's pretty cool. Um, and I looked, I looked at my notes from, the, um, from that time. Where is it? Sorry. Would you keep a diary? Kind of. I kind of, I made notes. It was a kind of a cool thing to, to go to a taping of. And I said, in my notes, I described those interns as overly enthusiastic. Yeah. I, I feel like, because um, I did the 30 Rock tour. Oh, yeah. And you know what? I did a couple tours when I was in America. It was also in 2012, actually. Wait, when were you there in 2012? Uh, it would have been, it was getting about November or so. Sorry, it was okay, I was there in June, I think. But yeah, I did the 30 Rock tour. And I also did, when I was in Memphis, I did like a, a the Elvis Graceland tour. 
but every single tour, like, it was the most enthusiastic, yeah. like, people that you've ever seen. And they're, like, so into it. Like, like you know, the Graysound one. Oh, my God. You know, this is- Oh, Elvis was such an amazing guy and he used to pay people's debts and all this sort of stuff. And it's like- There was, like, uh, like we went in- You go in early and they put you in this, like, these, like, little rooms where they kind of train you. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, they were, like, very aggressively, like- you know, that's a woo. You can't woo and you can't whistle. Like, that was the one time they got very angry. Like, don't even think about it. And then they were like, if you don't get a joke, just laugh and think about it later. Wow. That's great. That's like the perfect way to react to anything. Look, if you don't understand it, you just, laugh. just laugh. It's a joke. It's funny. But, but, like, it's not that the joke's not funny. It's that you just aren't smart enough to get it. So you take that home and you work on it. Yeah, but you know what? I think that backfired because there's those two famous incidents where um, remember the where Michael Richards went on that race, racial tirade mm. um, doing stand up, and then he went on Letterman the following night when Jerry Seinfeld was on the show to apologize. Yep. And people just started laughing. He was apologizing and people were laughing. So they've obviously been instructed like, just laugh, just laugh no yeah. matter what. And then when Letterman was doing, remember he got blackmailed years ago yeah, for sleeping with staffers. Yep. And people were like chuckling when he's talking about that. And you're just thinking like, maybe like warn the audience. Don't say like, laugh now and think later. I think he did. <laughs> didn't, he, didn't he say like, look, this is actually serious, not a joke. And there was a few chuckles and then he's like, yeah. oh, I've been cheating on my wife and I've been doing this and this mm. and this. So we'll he see. did. A, um, that was like big, big news when Letterman came out yeah. and said that. And then I found in doing this research, the week later, he, he issued another apology to his current female employees because mm. the whole week following that, They'd been harassed by reporters, like brutally harassed, being like, is it you? Is it you? Is it you? So he was like, it's nobody that works here anymore. Leave them alone. He, um, so he went on the taping I went to, he kind of, he'd been doing it for so long by 2012. Mm. He like kind of walked out like untucked. This is before they start taping. And he was like, I'm not kidding you, like dragging the microphone by the cord. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and just real casual. And then he just kind of like, starts talking to someone in the audience like oh what do you do like he doesn't really care and he's yep. like just so casual and they go we're on in five or like or even like less like a minute or something and he like like slumps backstage and then they have this big countdown and you know the cameras start rolling and like all the credits are going and then he like runs out and he's all tucked in and he's like all like full of energy and like the, the woman he talked to before he was like so why is it really happy and he's like i hear you this and that and like really getting into it and then yep. bet- on, when it's like the commercial he's just sitting there like oh, kind of over it and um yeah it must be like a massive flood of energy that you need to like put into your brain because it's so it's got to be very tiring to try and carry a show like that for yeah. an hour. So yeah, like that that kind of makes sense. It's like you're kind of sprinting. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, so you're conserving. It, you're like going all out. He's like, I never thought of him as being like the ultimate charismatic guy like that. Jimmy Fallon's got a bit more. Huh, huh, yeah, Letterman and I always had a bit more of a thing for. He always seemed a little bit more sarcastic and always seemed a bit over it and curmudgeoning. Yeah, well, that was like um, when, when we went to the the taping. Um, we were meant to, you know, they have like bands playing. Mm. Also, some of my favorite musical performances from my favorite bands are on like late night shows. Mm. Um, but we were meant to have Mumford and Sons in the studio, Ugh. and it got to that point where you know they're going to introduce the band, and Letterman's like, "Hey, so the band have had to pre-record this because of like travel, travel. I think there were the, the floods had just happened in New York, the really bad floods, oh, right, and they couldn't okay. get in. And so anyway, Mumford's and Son- Mumford and Sons couldn't come into the studio. They pre-recorded, so we, we were just going to watch it on screens mm-hmm. and kind of react to that. And um, he told everyone, and everyone kind of like moaned and was like, "Oh," <laughs> and Letterman goes, "Hey." 
how much did you pay for these tickets? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. He was just flat out like, oi, get fucked. You know, it was, yeah. we, that, that was pretty funny when he was just like, nah, you Man, know, fucking After so hell. many years, like, what do you got to prove? Just, you just, t- just tell him what you think, you d- know? Yeah, he just did not give a fuck, hey. Yeah, I also went to tapings of, in 2016, Conan and Corden. How's Corden? He was, like, very disinterested in the audience. Oh, really? Um, and, like, what, what's your thoughts on James Corden? Look, I've only watched little bits of his show. I love that the general consensus is that nobody likes James Corden. I don't like him. And no, after, like, I, nobody I, I, at all. I think that I, prior to attending that taping, I, I, I kind of liked him a bit. After that, I was like, uh, okay. I mean, it's- it's not really his job to interact with the audience, I guess, that much. But kind of is. Like, if you're doing a show <laughs> where it's like you and an audience and guests, I'm it's like to be that nice. makes it pretty big. Yeah, you can at least if you're going to do the Letterman thing where you don't give a shit, you kind of make it part of the show. Yeah, yeah. Like that's kind of what you like. Finding out Letterman was like that was kind of like charming. It yeah. was like, I, you know, it was just kind of funny, but. I don't know, Corden, are you saying that the thing of like, oh, nobody likes him or everybody seems to just have a problem with him. Mm. When I was doing research, I def- apparently he's been offered seven million pounds, so whatever that is in Australian dollars, mm-hmm. to host the late night show until 2024. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I was just like, all right, well, fuck, he's obviously- What, per year or total? Total, total. Right. I so, mean- I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, okay, he must be- like fucking doing all right, but so I liked Craig Ferguson way more. I right, thought well, he was so it's just a completely different show, a different guy, right? Like yeah. it's just like J- James Corden. He's sort of one of the first to really tap into the whole like social media type of thing, right? Yep. Going viral and stuff like that, which kind of probably accounts for a lot of his popularity and continued like success. But Conan, on the other hand, was like the nicest guy. Like he, it, it just seems like you could go down and like give him a hug and he'd be like, everybody gets a hug. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, see, like super nice. Conan seems like genuine, like a genuine person and quite authentic. So yeah, I'm it, sure he wouldn't, if you met him and you were like having a chat to him, he wouldn't be like on, Yeah, yeah. but he'd still be kind of friendly and nice. Yeah. I feel like Letterman is also genuine because like you know he doesn't want to talk to you yeah. and he doesn't care about you. He doesn't, like, treat you with disrespect, but you, you just kind of, like, you know what the relationship's going to be. You know gonna what be. you're going to get. Yeah, whereas Corden just feels like, you know, the Can't lights are off him. and it's like he would just turn. And I don't really- actually don't get that from Fallon so much. Well, Conan, at the end, of, like, towards the end of the show, he, when the cameras went rolling, he was just, like, thanking the audience. Like, he kind of gave a speech, like, thank you so much for being here and yep. this kind of stuff. And- um, he was, he probably was the best in regards to like interacting with the guest, mm-hmm. which was Steve Carell, which yep. I, I might've told you this story when Steve Carell came out. Um, cause obviously Michael Scott is what most people love him for. Yep. He's done so much stuff, but Michael Scott would just stick forever. And as he was sitting down and the, the cheering and clapping was dying down, someone just goes, yeah, Michael Scott. And you just see, you just see him flinch. And I've watched the video a couple of times and he just flinches like, ah, uh, like, which is, which was pretty funny. But yeah, I think Conan out of all of them, he, that was the best experience. Just sort of, yeah. What, what gets annoying is the constant clapping and cheering all yeah, the time. Yeah. We just started, you just pretend to clap and pretend to cheer. You go. Well, cause do they, they give you the signs, right? Like the, there's the, they flash the sign, like, yeah, it's like cheer. Yeah. Applause, applause, like all the fucking time. It's like clap now and think about it later. Yep. Laughing. Like this podcast, if you don't get a joke. Just sit on it for a couple of weeks and then send us an email about how much you liked it. Well, maybe, you know, maybe a little more than a few weeks, but give it six to 12 months. Mm. Um, Speaking of Conan, I I sent you a couple of clips to watch. Have you 
Have you seen the Goldfinger incident from 1996? No. So they. Played- I didn't watch these yet because I figured you want me to watch them live. Isn't yeah, it? watch it live. So Goldfinger played on Conan in 1996, and just watch this video, and then we'll uh, we can describe what happened. Oh my god! Oh my god! What is he doing? <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> 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 Oh! Oh my God! So the guy's in a dress. Remember Goldfinger? The drummer from Goldfinger is in a dress and a wig, and he's jumping around. But yeah, he like he he pens down and like literally flips Conan over his back. Like like he hugs he hugs Conan's legs and then stands. So the drummer squats, hugs Conan's legs, and then stands up. He just tumbles like. It looks like it hurt a lot. Oh my! But Conan just <laughs> went with it, like, and Hume go ah, <laughs> play, play it again, and one more isolate Conan screaming because <laughs> he walks over and like John Felbin, the front man, is just throwing his guitar. Like, oh, you've broken your guitar, and then <laughs> the drummer just grabs him. He play that ah. <laughs> It's like he's trying to keep his cool, but he's just like eating shit so hard. Oh my god, that's so funny. We should take a quick break. Yes, thank you. Watch that, and we'll come back in two minutes. I mean, we'll come back. How many freaking ads do we have? We'll we'll come back. (laughs) What do you think? You're a late night fucking host now. You know what sucks? What the NRL? That's a hot take. That's not the only take. And you know what doesn't suck? Tell me. The take with Willie Mason on the Handshake Agency Network. That's right. Ex-NRL and Australian international player Willie Mason discusses all things rugby league. You don't have to be a fan of the sport to get sucked into the podcast. But don't just take our word for it. Head over to thepodcasts.com.au now and listen for yourself. And we're back. We're back. Like Conan's back on the floor. Yep. Do you know that David Bowie got banned from Saturday Night Live? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, this is like a pretty interesting story. If you'll a indulge me. A couple of people have been banned. Oh, so many people, yeah. musicians and comedians and actors. Like, so many people have been banned over the years. But um, it was for three years. So apparently, um, 97, he was scheduled to appear on SNL for a sketch and performance. Mm-hmm. Like most musos will do. A lot of them do like a, like a funny sketch or yep. whatever. <clears throat> this is, It's kind of interesting. The um, or, or I found all this in, you know, Tower Records. Yep. Yeah, they, they were, their Pulse magazine from 99 had some quotes from Bowie talking about this. So um, Bowie says, for the for the sketch he agreed to do, um, the gist was that I was somehow roped into a low-budget tele-advert for a Brooklyn bakery. They wanted me to sing about their pastries or what have you. One of the things they came up with was a version of my song, Watch That Man, but instead, in the chorus, I would sing, Try Our Flan. <laughs> and... Um, so this is this is where the, the, the problem started because you, you can say flan or flan. Mm-hmm. So I assume Bowie said flan, like that's how he would say it. But SNL wanted him to say it as flan because it rhymes with man, right? So that would be the, the joke. Um, and he was kind of annoyed that he had to say it how he believed was the incorrect way, yep. but he agreed to do it like a, a week or so out. And as the um, taping kind of crept up, he got more and more uneasy about the fact he had to say fly instead of flan. <laughs> so, um, on the, like, that's like during the episode, like as it was um, airing, yep. Bowie was like, nah, fuck it. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Um, and that kind of aggravated um, SNL boss, Lorne Michaels. 
And so there was a bit of tension. And then, oh, okay. Bo- and then Bowie thought like, oh, I'm going to fucking piss him off further. So in that same article, Bowie says, um, I was scheduled to perform a single from my Earthling album called Telling Lies. Just before the band took the stage, I decided to take the piss out of Lorne a bit because I knew he wasn't happy with me. So what they did was instead of playing their, their new song, they played a song from uh, 1981 called Scary Monster and Super Creeps. Mm-hmm. Um, because apparently in like, confidence, like, Michaels had told Bowie that um, that song kind of fucking terrified him because <laughs> it, 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 just, it just like reminded him of like a really really dark times in his life. Right. So Bowie just played that and apparently he was like escorted from the studio after they finished wow. and got a three-year ban. But <laughs> they, but then he, but Bowie was like, yeah, we're mates. Like we've been friends since the 70s. He, like, he knows that I was just trying to get a rise out of him. Maybe I could have done it less. I don't know. Shall we? But the air's cleared now. Just on that, do you know Darren Hayes from Savage Garden? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I send you this the other day? Um, he tweeted, real pitch from an advertising company who wanted to use one of my songs in a TV commercial. They thought I might like to do a quick re-record using these lyrics. Oh, here we go. I'll bring you Greek. I'll bring you French. I'll bring you Japanese. I'll bring you Thai steak from the pub. Bring you food that you need. Close to, to your door with every step. I'm outside holding food. It will be warm. It will be tasty because I'm counting on a real good rating. That's the reason bringing you deep fried chicken. I don't even know how that goes. But what does he say? I want to stand with you on Food Mountain. I want to float with you in some cheese. And then it says insert brand name like this forever until more fries rain down on me. That's incredible. Is that a real, was that like meant to be what, like Uber Eats or something? Yeah. And uh, I, he said no to it. He's like- uh, That would wreck the song forever. It's like that bloody Coles, the down, 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 prices yeah. are down thing. Like, it would just fucking destroy that song forever. It's so it's so bad. Do you play yeah, that song? That one. Not that, that, not that shit, that weird version, but like, do you cover that, the original mm-hmm. song? I don't do any Savage Garden, no. Mm, all right, I see how it is. Yeah. So, that's so funny. There's also, uh, I sent you something else from Kimmel. Um, which during an interview with, um, how do you say it? Joaquin Phoenix? Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. I cannot, no matter how many times I hear that guy's name, I cannot say it right. So anyway, um, he appeared on- I remember when this happened. He appeared on Kimmel in 2019 um, and they played an outtake from Joker. So if you want to- um, Oh, no, this is not the one I saw. Yeah, so he appeared on Kimmel in 2019 and they played an outtake from Joker. And it just, after the, this outtake- it just gets fucking super weird. So watch, skip to eight twenty on that video, yep. and then I'll I'll kind of explain what happened, and we'll laugh at it. And we cut it down a, a bit, but well, let's take a look at that and, and tell us what was happening here. You know, just you know, like the constant whispering. Just shut the up, dude. I'm trying to like find something real. Sorry, it's it's, it's only such a. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. I can't do this, man. Now, what happened uh, there? La- who's Larry? Oh, um, <clears throat> oh no. Um, so, there's obviously outtakes. So, I'll explain what you watched was, um, like, Phoenix is wearing the jo- like all his Joker makeup. Yep. And he's, like, he's sitting behind a piano and he's just, like, mumbling stuff. And he's, like, he's pissed off. People are whispering because he's trying to find something real. And mm-hmm. he's just, like, mumbling and... Then he just fucking he's swearing and he storms off and goes, I can't do this, man. And he walks off. 
And then what it cuts back to him in, uh, in front of Kimmel and his reaction is just- Yeah, he's like really taken aback, which is- Yeah, I feel kind of bad for him actually. He's shocked as in like, uh, he's saying like that wasn't like- uh, He's speechless. Yeah. And he's kind of like embarrassed and he's like, you're not- Like that wasn't meant to, for anyone to see. And Yeah, that sucks, man. Poor guy being like, not outed, but you know, <laughs> getting his privacy removed like that. I only watched Joker like two weeks ago. Do you like it? I thought it was really good. I haven't seen it, so no spoilers. It's, man, it's actually a pretty good movie. I resisted for a long time. It was good? He, he was a really good Joker. Who's the he, best Joker? I really liked his one. Uh, I don't know if it's the best one, but his was pretty good. Well, who do you think everyone thinks the best is? Probably Heath Ledger. But yes, Heath Ledger. transition. Yes. Oh, you, wow. You stepped right into my transition. Well, before we do that then, can I just like- Yes, yeah, sorry, um, sorry. There, there was another late night appearance that he did a couple of years ago in full character, and I think it was on- Yeah, he did Letterman like- a few years ago, obviously before Ledman retired, but at the time he was doing a movie with the Affleck that isn't Ben. What's his name? Casey, Casey Affleck. Yeah, and uh, and he did the whole interview in character, and Casey Affleck's filming it, but nobody was clued into it, so the audience wasn't clued into it. Oh, like his character from that movie. Yeah. Oh. So he was like being real fucking strange, like not really answering questions, kind of. Yeah, it was real, real bizarre, and it went around the internet at the time because everyone thought Joaquin Phoenix has completely gone off the rails but no he just was acting like doing what actors do was let him include in i don't know i don't think he was because he was reacting to it that's pretty good i like that yeah. i like that sorry i i fucked your segue so no do you talk- i set it up it's still there it's still good still a nice juicy segue so, so heath um, ledger you was talking about i never heard of him. heath ledger so um there was this u.s dude named don lane i'm coming I'm, I'm being i'm heading local now so there was this uh, u.s guy named don lane who hosted the don lane show in australia from 75 to 83 mm-hmm. and in uh 79 he interviewed tom waits Oh, yeah. So, do you want to watch that uh, video I've sent you? Just just kind of skip into it a bit. How is uh, How long have you been here in Australia now? I got here last night. Uh, I was on the plane uh, from Paris for about uh, 22 hours. Jesus. <laughs> so, that, um, that clip um, or that interview, people say, inspired Heath Ledger's Joker. Oh, right. Yeah, so, I can see the- um, I can sort of see the- Let me send you this comparison video. This is actually nuts if you watch this. What happened? Did your, did your balls drop off? Hmm? You, you see a guy like me. Freak. <laughs> yeah, I definitely see it. Right? Yeah, yeah, apparently that was the inspiration for... Which oh. is fucking... That's pretty crazy, hey? Kind of uh, reduces the uh, the performance a little bit from Heath Ledger. Like, oh, no, he just did that character. If you, But if you compare them side by side, it's actually pretty fucking like, nuts how, how similar it is. There's... um. So there's, a, there's something else from that Don Lane show that's pretty funny. In um in 1981, he had this uh, US musician named James Randi on the oh, show. Oh, I know James Randi, the Mr. Randi, the one and only. I, so I saw him. I think uh, I saw him in 2014. He did a show at the Octagon Theatre, which was really great. Oh, I, you saw him. I have a T-shirt of his as well. With oh his wow. Face on it. So okay, you like this then? Um, because I guess he he's also kind of like widely known as a debunker of mind readers and faith oh, yeah. healers. Like yeah, and um, so he joined the Don Lane show mm-hmm. in the 80s, and um, he agreed to come on the show, but was like, look, I'll do it, but. Um, like when he was touring Australia, he was like, I'll do it, but can we maybe just kind of not bend spoons? Can I, I don't want to bend spoons. <laughs> he rocked up and there was like for the interview and there was like spoons there. And he was mm-hmm. like, for fuck's sake. So we had them switched out for keys. I figure, <laughs> I figure he thought like, oh, if I bend keys, at least it's something different. 
when Don Lane found out he'd switched them for keys, Don Lane got mad. <laughs> so they were both kind of grumpy about this fucking spoon thing from the get-go. And then I'll show you this video of, of, uh, of, of that interview. So a bit of context, um, Don Lane, like he was obsessed with this British psychic called Doris Stokes, mm-hmm. who claimed to speak to dead people. And Randy in the past had kind of expressed skepticism about her abilities and what she claimed she could do. And so the whole thing kind of came to a head in this video you're about to watch. You go against a lady like Doris Stokes who never harmed anybody in her whole life and you call her a charlotte and a fake. You know you a said, great deal about it. Yes, I do. You said that she was a liar on the no, radio. No. You called her a liar. No. And that woman would no, lie to I anybody. And I don't know whether she's right or wrong, I but she would lie to anybody. We're going for a commercial break and you can... Oh, wow. <laughs> so, this is like just, yeah, so they're arguing and then just Don Lane stands up and goes, we're going for a commercial and you can just piss off. And he just wipes all the keys off the table. Yeah. So, I guess- So, a little context. So, I, I don't know, like with Randy, like, well, do you know Yuri Geller? No. Okay. So, it might be, this might be what you're talking about. Yuri Geller was the guy that was renowned for bending spoons. Yeah. So, was he debunking being like, here's how you actually- I think the reason he had him there was to be like- he, he debunked it like that's yeah. this, is, this is actually how you do it right yeah randy so- like really had a go at yuri geller because he he believed yeah well he claimed to have many different psychic abilities but one of them was the spoon bending one yeah gotcha. which to do it by the way you if you keep rubbing the metal like oh, at, all okay. you do like i can tell you how to do it so like if you just imagine where the big spoony part is in the handle the if you just keep rubbing it but the mouth scoop yeah when you keep, if you keep rubbing that joint with your fingers, the friction creates enough heat that yeah. it becomes pliable enough to bend, and then you can literally just like press it and bend the spoon over. It's like not that difficult. You can do it with any spoon. Yeah, so that that, that makes sense. Why? Because I was watching that clip again. I was like, wait, he was the one who was saying spoon bending's dumb. So why would he be bending spoons? But yeah, uh, he it's was probably be, just to be debunk. debunking it. It'd be like- just to, be, to debunk it. Randy was like, <clears throat> Randy debunked. Many, many psychic things. That's cool. Hey? He had a show back in the 80s that was kind of like that. He was the first, or maybe, I don't know if he was the first big skeptic, but one of the first um, big skeptics of, of anything sort of paranormal, supernatural. So, yeah, gotcha. Really interesting guy. There was actually, so when I saw uh, Randy in like, yeah, so 2014, he died recently. He died it like- It was like last, last year. Yeah, about yeah. 12 months ago. He is a really interesting guy. There's a documentary about him that they showed at the, the Randy show. I I'm not going to say that it was the greatest show that I've ever seen because he was at when I saw him was in his like 80s. Wow, he's a he was tiny, very frail little dude at the show. That it was kind of like the first hour of it. They watched the documentary. The second 45 minutes, he came out and talked a little bit. Oh, cool! But a lot of setups of like. Um, I think John Safran interviewed him, actually. Really? Yeah, which is pretty funny. I've seen John Safran interview people before, and he's so nervous. Yeah, I think it was, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was him. But he- um, So, Randy comes out, and it's just like very set up questions. It's not a very, you know- Yeah, yeah. yeah. Something that Randy did back in the 80s, and funnily enough, this is also in Australia, and ties in a little bit with what we're talking about. He, um, again, pre-internet, was able to convince uh, Australian television that- a psychic, I think it was like the guy was maybe an Indian psychic or a Malaysian psychic or a major like person uh, was psychic by just like calling every, I guess, news station and being like, oh, I've got this guy, the great, oh, whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And um, he can do all these this ma- amazing like, you know, psychic activities. He basically went on all these TV shows. Again, back in like, I, th- I want to say it's like 86-ish with this magician, with this guy pretending to be a psychic. But all he was doing was like simple magic tricks. Yeah, gotcha. And fucking fooled everybody. Like nobody could call him about it. And I believe, I might be conflating two different stories, 
but they said to him, like, look, if anybody asks if this is real or not, we won't lie to them. Yeah. So, if someone says, like, oh, so all this, this psychic stuff, is this just a trick? They'll tell them straight out. But not a single person did. Wow. So, the entire- th- the, yeah, the entire thing. They just had everyone believing that this this guy was psychic. So, That's cool. Yeah. Uh, that- but he got in, he fucking got into a lot of trouble, as you'd imagine, for like deceiving <laughs> the entire Australian media community. But I mean, that's more on them for not actually doing yeah. any fucking work. No, and exactly. Just being so- like, oh, psychic. That's that is in fact him pointing at a flaw in the system. That's actually a really valuable thing to put do. The system on trial, man. Exactly. No, Randy's really there's- fascinating. He um very much influenced Penn and Teller as well. That makes sense because yeah. they, they, they love doing the whole like, here's how you do stuff kind of yeah, well, shtick. Bullshit. So, that's how I mm. kind of- I remember seeing like Randy videos like a long, long time ago, but then when I got into um, the Penn and Teller stuff, then they- like his name came up a lot. He mentored them. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. That's sick. That's, I, lo- I love that he made Don Lane storm off and he was just so cool about it. Yeah. He was like, eh. But I love um, like- I think people storming out of interviews is like one of the most exciting things you can watch. Oh, yeah. Because you're like, oh, and like- um, there's one- How many it, people have stormed out of your interviews? Uh, seven. Actually? No, never. Never? never. What sort of uh, interviewer are you then? I spoke with Joey Cape, actually, a little while oh, ago, and he remembered the podcast, said he had a great time on well, it. Yeah, because he stormed out of that one. He stormed off. You know, he, he power walked with vigor and He hung joy. up on that Skype call with so much vigor you wouldn't believe. Um, but, but we'll come back to a couple more Australian things to round the podcast out soon, but just speaking of people storming off show, talk shows- there's um this funny BG's interview from um Clive Anderson talks back like a UK mm-hmm. show from '97. I sent you that video. Um, skip to about like eight minutes um, forty in that video. Yeah, no, of course. Getting yeah. on like a storm, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> in fact, I might just leave. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've never had anyone walk out before, but uh, well, uh, yeah, we are. Yeah. Awesome, Far out. <laughs> this is a setup. How's that? <laughs> It just fucking goes from zero to a hundred in like five seconds. I love that one shot of the host's face where he's just like, he's in oh no. Sh- yeah, he's smiling oh no. through terror. So what happened was he's talking to the band about like the success of individual members um, outside of the Bee Gees. He's talking about Robin Gibbs hits, Saved by the Bell. Yep. And then um, a- Anderson goes, oh, you know, do you think, oh, I don't need those other two. And then Barry Gibb chimes in and goes, oh, actually, uh, we had a hit at the same time. Don't forget to remember. And then Anderson jokes, I've forgotten that one, which is kind of funny because it's like, don't forget to remember is the name of the song. And then um, Barry Gibb goes, um, we're getting on like a storm, aren't we, Clive? In fact, I might just leave. And then he stands up and starts walking off. And so does Robin. And um, Anderson goes, oh, I've never had anyone walk off before. And Barry goes, yeah, well, you're a toss of pow. <laughs> that's, that's when you're like, oh, he's actually mad. Like, this isn't a bit. It's pretty weak, like, excuse to leave. You're by a the toss way, of but- pow. I think the whole interview was a bit, like, jarring and yeah. awkward. But And then there's this, it zooms out, and there's just uh, Maurice, the last of the three Gib, um, mm-hmm. you know, Gib members sitting there with um, Clive Anderson. And um, he goes, oh, I guess I better join them. And gets <laughs> up, he goes, oh, no, you can stay and talk. And he's like, nah, nah, he walks off. <laughs> Back to Australia. Um, Back to Australia. Um, there's all these talk shows I never really knew about until looking into this, like mainly from the 70s and 80s. Hey, we don't really have much now in regards to like late night sort of stuff. But well, yeah, because no one's watching TV in the same way, are they? There's um, there's, this is this is pretty funny. Hey, and this is like it's definitely just reeks of the 70s. There was this show called The Graham Kennedy Show. Yes, which was I'm aware of it. Do you know about the um the crow call? I'm not sure stuff. So he was kind of known for doing like a random crow call every now and then, like <laughs> ah. Ah, 
kind of thing. Like, I don't know why, but there was a taping in 95, sorry, in, um, there was a taping in 75 where um, he was mocking a sponsored ad for Settle Hair Products. <laughs> And it sounded like he added an F to the start of the crow call. So, I was like, fuck. <laughs> um, and then uh, went to air and then it caused a whole like a whole heap of shit went oh, of down. Because did, yeah. like television in the 70s, you say the word fuck, seemingly, um, before it was broadcast in Adelaide the following night, they did like a one second edit to remove it. Mm-hmm. And then the, um, the broadcast control board, which I guess back then was like the regulatory body, yep. um, demanded that the show was- moving ahead was pre-recorded and not live and then also because i was i I need to find this footage but it's nowhere and because apparently um it it just doesn't exist because that that board was like give us the give us the tape yeah so the only copy of it probably been destroyed uh, yeah was given to them and no one's seen it since like that's how insane it is that they were just like the word f the word fuck was on tv jesus christ yeah should we end with the holy grail of uh uh, late night TV in Australia. Let's do it, man. Wouldn't even be late night. It's just it's probably just TV. It's not even that late. Do you know who I'm going to say? No. Have a think. Long, hard thing. Rove McManus. Yeah, you, you nailed it. Oh, really? Yeah, it's Rove, oh, Rove McManus. I loved it in high school. And then I like, I hit 17. I was like, this is lame. He's so lame, man. I saw, I saw him do stand up a few years ago and um, it just wasn't that funny. And someone rocked up late to the theater, like a, um, a couple rocked up, but he was trying to be quirky and funny. And he like got down off the stage to like help them to their seats. Mm-hmm. But he was like trying to usher them too quickly. And the lady fell down a couple of stairs. Oh, God. And it was everyone was just sitting there going like, oh, this is, this is not good. Yep. But the whole the whole his stand up bit just wasn't good, and I went back and watched some Rove live, and I was like, "It's not this good, is, man." Hasn't aged well. He, uh, I remember watching him interview like Beyonce and Angelina Jolie back in the day, and it was just cringy. Like he just, I thought he was a terrible interviewer. Twenty nineteen, they tried to give him a show again. Remember that? Oh yeah, I do remember that. Saturday Night Rove, twenty nineteen, mm. and um, pre pandemic, pre pandemic. Was this another casualty of the? Of the coronavirus, COVID-19 uh, Not pandemic. even. I'll tell you what happened. So, the first episode aired 244,000 um, Metro viewers. Mm-hmm. Um, and its second episode got 138, Ooh. which didn't even place it as one of like that Saturday's 20 highest rated programs. It was just like- And then it was axed after two episodes. Oh, no. Yeah. Just because of the ratings were shit. And I was like, I watched some and I was just like, this- A Rove talk show, variety show, late night show doesn't fit- in 20, 2019. What did he do? Did he have guests and stuff? Uh, so, the, yeah, he played a game with um with Kevin Rudd and someone's like- Somebody commented about that episode. I think it, that, one of them being like, when the when the funniest thing on- when, when, the, when the funniest person on your show is Kevin Rudd, you got a problem. Yeah, that's um, not great. But the, so, speaking- So, it got axed and then a spokesperson from Network 10 told TV Tonight- uh, unfortunately, Saturday Night Rove hasn't resonated with viewers the way that we <laughs> hoped. So, Rove and Ten have made the decision to remove it from the schedule. Rove is a sensational entertainer and a close friend of Ten, and we thank him for all his hard work and all the laughs on Saturday Night Rove. There couldn't have been that many All the laugh laughs on Saturday Night Rove, yeah. Yeah, and then- um, Wait, did you say live audience? <clears throat> no, what? Was there a live audience? Yeah. Ooh. And then, um, so this is this is kind of funny. After episode one aired, like mm-hmm. ten were obviously trying to get the best reactions to promote episode two mm-hmm. from like you know Twitter and Facebook and all that. And um, apparently, they included a tweet, like text from a tweet that said "amazing dot 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 funny," but the actual tweet was, 
And this is so funny. So, I kind of liked it, but it's not amazing, <laughs> but it's funny. And I can get, and can we get some more musical performances, please? Ooh. That's, and then like, apparently Network 10 was like, that was a human error and we have methods, we have systems in place to ensure this won't happen again. They ripped a tweet that was like, yeah, it was okay. And the, the, it's not amazing, but it's kind of funny. And what Channel 10 went with was amazing, funny. God, that's really funny. But yeah, Rove doesn't quite fit in uh, 2019. No. no. To kind of wrap things up, we do have a late night talk show in Perth. Oh, we do? Ebsworth oh, Tonight. I've heard of that. It's live. It it's not taped. Um, kind of happens every couple of months. It's called Ebsworth Tonight, hosted by a local comedian, Colin Ebsworth. And um, I went to an event in May. Pretty funny. The next one's September 2 <laughs> at the Recobite. <laughs> yeah, it, it was okay. That no, was good. It was, it, was, it was good. It wasn't amazing, but it was kind of funny. But uh, full disclosure, my brother Sam is uh, Colin's offsider. He's like, he's Andy Richter. The Andy right. Richter type. But it, it was good. I really enjoyed it. You should check it out. The Recobite. Recobite? Recobite? Recobite, I September think, yeah. 2. Check it out. That's funny because um, you just said your brother and then I immediately thought of um, that time you and I sat at the, that restaurant that we would go to a lot and then your brother was like on the other side of the road and you walking. yelled at him so loud. Oh, I was just- He was walking- uh, He was walking from the bottle shop, yeah, opposite the road <laughs> and I was- We were sitting at that restaurant and I just cupped my hands and went- Sir, it screamed. was so loud. I, I screamed it was outside like- as well, and I, I I can't believe anyone made that much sound. But that made me think of that, and then I got sad because that's the restaurant that I may have got the food poisoning at. So three, t- I screamed three times, and he just was just hopping along, didn't even look. And then I called him. I was like, "Oi, what are you doing?" And he was like, "Oh, I was listening to music with my headphones on." Yeah. So, See, that's some of the comedy you get at Ebsworth tonight. Yeah. So uh, it sounds like he needs a promotion. Maybe he needs to get bored like- Paul Schaefer, yeah. Paul Schaefer. Yeah. Anyway, well, that's probably about it then, hey? Yeah. Good uh, Good topic. Yeah, good topic. Who knows how- if you, if you think that we executed it well or poorly or you have some other examples- If you believe that um, Dan and I deserve our own late night show, tell us who should be Conan and who should be Andy Richter. And also, uh, you want to do that by thatsucksatthepodcasts.com.au. Yeah. And uh, while you're over there, check out all the other great shows- Yep, thepodcast.com.au, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Drop us an email. Dan, you just released some new music last week as well, correct? I released a new, one new music featuring you on bass and you made that sound shiny. Did I play bass on that one? You did play bass on that one. There you go. So, um, so go check it out. What's the song called? It is called The Best of Whatever. Best of Whatever? One. What? You can so, listen to it whatever you get music. Sick. Well, um, rate and review. Yeah, let's get out of here, shall we? Let's get out of here and get food poisoning at that local restaurant. <laughs> All right, peace. Goodbye. That Sucks is a podcast from the Handshake Agency Network. Presented and produced by Dan Cribb and Troy Neverman. Recorded and engineered by Troy Neverman. Executive producer, Craig Tariq. Theme music by Dan Cribb and Troy Neverman. <laughs>